0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 40. Today, I will be talking about the 1993 murder of Robert Obadane. My sources for today's episode are Dateline, season 29, episode 51, titled Twisted Loyalty, Heavy.com, Oxygen, the Chicago Tribune, the Cinemaholic, and the Santa Monica Daily Press. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in the show notes. The case takes place in Bucktown, a neighborhood in Chicago. Robert O. Dubain was born in February 1962. He was the oldest of five children, but didn't want to take the responsibility of taking care of his siblings. He didn't graduate college, but held down several jobs. Those close to Robert would say he reinvented himself a lot. When Robert was in his mid-20s, he met an 18-year-old named Catherine Su. Catherine came from a strict family that immigrated from South Korea. Her father had been a banker and her mom a pharmacist, and later she owned a dry cleaning business. Catherine didn't get along with her family. She didn't want to follow their traditional values. She and her brother Andrew would later say that their father Ronald was abusive, and one night he even attempted to set himself and Catherine on fire after Catherine came home one night. While Catherine was rebellious, her brother Andrew helped her father with translation. In 1986, Ronald was diagnosed with stomach cancer, He passed away when Catherine was 16 and Andrew was 11. A year later, Elizabeth Sa, their mother, was found dead in her business. A customer had found her on October 6, 1987. She had been stabbed around 30 times and her throat had been slit. She was found under some clothing. The police originally thought it was a robbery, but years later, they would look at the case more closely. The attack seemed more personal. Catherine became Andrew's guardian, and Andrew was the beneficiary of Elizabeth's $800,000 life insurance policy. Catherine had also been dating Robert at the time, and the three of them became a family. Andrew was devastated over his mother's death, and Robert stepped in as a father-slash-brother figure to him. Robert and Catherine worked together, flipping houses, and opened a bar called The Metropolis. Andrew was sent to a prestigious school where he was popular and even became student body president. After high school, he received a full scholarship to Providence College in Rhode Island. The Metropolis Bar was only open for about a year before the employees started seeing problems in the business and in Robert and Catherine's relationship. There were rumors that there were drug deals and gambling coming from inside the bar, and Catherine was manipulating everyone. She would often serve shots to the employees or during business meetings, but only have water in the glass for herself. Catherine also caused drama. One employee named Kim said Catherine would gossip and try to get the other employees to gossip about each other. Catherine and Robert soon went their separate ways. This was just before he was murdered. On September 25, 1993, a neighbor of Robert's called 911. He said he had heard several gunshots and heard a car peel away. He had been shot in the head and neck. His car had been taken but was found just a few streets over. Robert's new girlfriend came forward a few days later and said she had been on the phone with him on the night of the murder. He told her that Catherine was on the other line and needed him to pick her up in Lincoln Park. However, when the police questioned Catherine, she told them she had been at her new boyfriend's house, not downtown, like she told Robert. The police knew very quickly that Catherine was involved. She had made the call to Robert to lure him outside. However, she was not the actual shooter because she was with her boyfriend. So who was the actual shooter? The police had Catherine come in for a second interview. She confirmed that she called Robert that night, but said a man named Juan was going to kill him, and that she was just warning him. The police knew she was full of shit, so what did she do? Bribe the police to let her out of this investigation. Six weeks after Robert's death, Catherine was charged with first-degree murder. The police searched Catherine's phone records. There was one number that appeared several times. It led the police to Andrew, her brother. The police called the chief of security at Providence. They said Andrew had signed himself out a few days before the murder. He had flown back to Chicago under an alias on the day of the murder and flew back the same day. After the murder, Andrew went on the run to California and to Texas. He was eventually caught at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport by federal marshals. He was then flown to O'Hare and brought to the police station. Andrew soon confessed to the murder and said Catherine had been calling and pressuring him to do it for weeks. Catherine told Andrew many stories. She said Robert was abusive, had been gambling their money away, and even that he killed their mother. Andrew said that on the night of Robert's murder, Catherine drove him over there, handed him the gun, and he waited in the garage for several hours and thought about it until the very last minute when he pulled the trigger. Andrew was taken into custody and pleaded not guilty. Catherine also pleaded not guilty and made bail. On the first day of trial, Catherine never showed up. She fled several times. The first time, she was found at a luxury condo going under the name Kasha. She had been dating rich men and driving a Jaguar. Catherine sold her Jaguar and vanished. A warrant was put out for her arrest. Despite her being gone, she was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. At his trial, Andrew was found guilty of first-degree murder and armed robbery. He was sentenced to 100 years in prison. America's Most Wanted aired information about Catherine in January 1996. It led the police to Honolulu and to a man named Kelly Beck. Kelly had met a woman named Tiffany, who was really Catherine. Kelly remembers Tiffany leaving quickly after seeing the America's Most Wanted episode and told him something happened to her family. Two months later, still in Honolulu, Catherine contacted Chicago prosecutors to try to cut a deal. She was eventually found and was taken to a prison in Chicago. Catherine has cut off all ties with Andrew and said she doesn't have a brother anymore. Andrew has reached out to Robert's family as well, but has received no response. He is eligible for parole in 2032. Some reports that I've seen say that he's eligible for parole in 2034. Elizabeth says murder is still unsolved. Police believe Catherine had something to do with it. While it's safe to say this case is crazy, there are so many twists and turns, and they all involve one family, I truly hope the police are still investigating Elizabeth's case because she deserved justice as well. I think they believe Catherine did it or hired someone, but there might not be concrete evidence to prove it. Now for a lighter note, my book recommendation for this week is The Wild Girls by Phoebe Morgan. Summary, four friends, a luxury retreat, it's going to be murder. It's been years since Grace, Felicity, Alice, and Hannah were together. The wild girls, as they were once called, are no longer so wild. Alice is a teacher, Hannah has a new baby, Grace is a homebody, only Felicity seems to have retained her former spark. Then Felicity invites them all on the weekend of a lifetime, a birthday bash in Botswana. It will be a chance to have fun and rekindle their once bomb-proof friendship, and finally put that one horrible night all those years ago behind them for good. But soon after arriving at the luxury safari lodge, a feeling of unease settles over them. There's no sign of the party that was promised, there's no phone signal, they are on their own, and things start to go very, very wrong. Review. This book was written in three parts, which I loved because it makes things less confusing. It talks about the invitation for the trip and murder, the issues that caused the four women to go on their own ways, and part three is the conclusion. I love this book, I love the dynamic between the friends, and I kept reading it until I found out what happened. I give this book a 9 out of 10. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and book recommendation. Both my case and book recommendation were full of twists and turns, which I didn't actually do on purpose. You can subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram at it's crime o'clock somewhere blog pod, and you can now find me on Patreon, patreon.com slash it's crime o'clock somewhere blog pod. I have one bonus episode up right now at just $5 a month. It's about the Clear Lake murders slash Christina Palalola case. You can also buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com at It's Crime O'Clock Somewhere blog pod and rate and review. Every little thing helps. I'll be back next week with an all new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's Crime O'Clock Somewhere. I'll see you guys next week.